Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for um, bringing us into your family. We thank you, Lord, for um, inviting us into this church. We thank you, Lord, for putting in our hearts, Lord, the desire to be here this morning, for establishing in our lives, Lord, habits and routines that bring us back to this place each week. We thank you, Lord, that we know that when we come to this place that your word will be opened and read, that songs will be sung that guide our attention towards you and not towards ourselves. Lord, we thank you that uh, we can be certain that we will hear the gospel preached and presented. And Lord, it's my prayer today that that might be the case once again this morning. Lord, use this time that we have to bring glory to you, uh, Lord, to, uh, to bring assurance to our, uh, to our hearts, and Lord, to, to work good here in this congregation today. We pray not only this for Providence Road, but for other churches that are meeting even now here in Norman and around the city and the state of Oklahoma. Lord, that, uh, that your word might be faithfully preached, that your people might hear from you today, that they might go out encouraged and motivated to serve you better. Lord, this uh, prayer we, we, we spread also to other churches uh, across the, the country and the continent, and truly, Lord, around the world. Do your work today in your church, uh, and especially here in this place. Lord, um, empower me today. Uh, help me to remember the things I'm supposed to remember, to forget the things I'm supposed to forget. And Lord, be a blessing to your people. We'll offer you the praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I am th especially thankful that uh, we've been given the opportunity to once again direct our attention to this Gospel of John. Uh, Jay did a great job last week of reminding us of the main purpose of this Gospel, that purpose being to um, draw people's attention to Jesus, to validate the claims that he had made so that people might believe that he is indeed the Messiah, the Son of God, and in believing in him, they might have eternal life. Uh, Jay also mentioned that as we turn our attention here to these last few chapters of the Gospel of John, uh, we're turning our attention to really what is a, a more sobering passage of the, uh, of the Gospel. Um, words and narratives and stories that challenge us, that that aren't necessarily on the surface uplifting, but as we start to peel back the onion, we start to see that really there is much comfort and assurance that's found in these pages. And this week's passage is much the same. Uh, you'll see that uh, if, we, if we allow ourselves to look beyond just the, the lessons that might be identified in the warnings associated with Peter's denials, we'll actually see much assurance and much comfort that comes to us through the message here in these pages. And I don't want to miss that message. And so just to kind of lay it out for you at the start, um, when we're given insight into Peter's denials, we're, we're, we're given that insight in order to highlight that our relationship with Jesus is initiated and sustained primarily by him. And that our sins no matter how out of character for a follower of Christ, are forgiven. And 
that we are kept safe in our relationship through Jesus's efforts, not our own efforts. I appreciate Kim and the the worship team this morning singing songs that really kind of prepped us just for that message. Songs of assurance to say, hey, I am who you say that I am, God. Not necessarily who I say that I am. Uh, We'll see today that Peter was who Jesus said he was, not necessarily who Peter said he was, right? As you read through that, you're like, ah, Peter's making claims about his identity that are actually false. Peter is who Jesus says he is, not who he said he was. Um, We're thankful that although our sins are many, that Jesus' mercy is more, right, as we sung before. And we'll see that again today in the life of Peter, that although his sins seem to be um, magnified in an amazing way right now, his flaws and failures, the weaknesses that, that um, are part of his sin nature are put on display in a way that almost makes us think, ah, he's surely not the apostle that we read from in or that we read about in Acts, or we read from his, in his epistles later. Uh, this is not the same Peter, but it is indeed the same Peter. And the reason that he is used the way he is is because God's mercy is greater than his sin. And it's, a, it's encouragement to be reminded of that. Um, as we open up the text, if you'll go ahead and put that back up there, I, I want to take our time today and work through, first of all, this idea of who Peter is. Take just a second for us to be reminded of his identity um, and uh, the assurance that comes with knowing Christ. As John starts to introduce this passage of Scripture. Notice in verse number 15, he introduces really the two main characters that we have throughout the passage, and that is Simon, Peter, and Jesus. Um, All the other characters that we read about throughout here, none of them are named by their proper name. We have the other disciple or another disciple, no name. We have the high priest. We have the maid. We have other servants that were there. All of these descriptions of kind of the supporting cast, none of them are named by name um, in in order really for us just to focus in on the two main characters here. That being, those two main characters being Simon, Peter, and Jesus. And right off the bat here, verse number 15, we see the relationship between these two described for us. In many ways, put right up front. And that is that Simon Peter was a follower of, of Jesus. Simon Peter followed Jesus. John puts this out there with no caveats, no exceptions. He doesn't make any statements that would draw our attention away from the fact that Simon was a follower. Other evangelists, other gospel writers will talk about how Simon followed at a distance, or they will explain other elements of Simon's, uh, Simon Peter's following that that actually detract from just this simple statement. Simon Peter followed Jesus. So before we think about anything else that's going here, it's good for us to be reminded the person we're talking about is a believer. And this believer is struggling right now. But as we assess the struggle, 
let's let ourselves be reminded of how this relationship was initiated and who it is that's actually sustaining it. Uh, the, the relationship between Jesus and Peter actually started, at least from John's gospel, in John chapter number 1. And I'd like to draw your attention to this passage in John 1. Over in John chapter number 1, in verse number 40, let's see where we're at here. John 1 verse number 40. Peter's brother had brought him to Jesus, and when they're first interacting, the, the description goes like this. It says, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, hey, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. The very first time they meet, Jesus introduces Simon by a new name. Right off the bat, there's a new name that's given him. A new identity is, is given to Peter right off the start. And this, this naming convention is not anything that's accidental. As a matter of fact, it would have called the disciples, the other followers' attention to Old Testament history. We think about Abram being renamed Abraham. We think about Jacob being renamed Israel. Um, this, all of this uh, naming convention piece is starting to show um, important elements about this relationship. It calls to mind Isaiah 62, 2, where it says, The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. The same wording there. You shall be called Peter. You shall be called by a new name. We're starting to see this relationship grow between God in the flesh and this follower. Have you ever had it mentioned that um, your own identity in Christ has been questioned? Or have you been in a conversation when somebody says, and they call themselves a believer? Or that person, can you believe they're acting like they're supposed to be a Christian? And we start to look at the situation and we say, ah, but the circumstances around it seem to say something different than what's happening there. I've actually found myself in that same conversation over the past few weeks where we hear um, somebody speaking of another individual saying, and this person claims to be a Christian. Can you believe they did that? Um, certainly in this situation, when we look at Peter, we would say this person who denied the Lord three times and he claims to be a believer, as we start to say those words about others, Really, as we look in the mirror and say those words about ourselves and you claim to be a believer, it's important for us to understand that that relationship we have, our identity, is not determined by our own conduct. It's not, our identity does not rest in ourselves. It rests in something that Christ has done for us. I look around, I see some college kids that are back here today um, after a week of spring break. There's probably many college kids across the country in churches this morning, perhaps, that look back on the week prior and ask themselves, 
Am I really a Christian? Am I really a believer? As I look back and see what I've done in the past, um, how is it that I find myself here today when I see what has taken place over the past few weeks? And let me assure you that if you have been given a new name by Christ, if you have been saved by him, your sins, your failures, your flaws have not severed that relationship. And as Jesus gives Simon Peter this new name, he does so by, in, in order to kind of set in place the conditions for him to be growing Peter as he progresses through his Christian ministry. John MacArthur says it this way. He said, when Jesus met Peter, Peter fit James's description of a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Jesus changed Simon's name. It appears because he wanted the nickname to be a perpetual reminder to him about who he should be. And from that point on, whatever Jesus called him sent a subtle message. If he called him Simon, he was signaling him that he was acting like his old self. If he called him Peter or Rock, he was commanding him for acting, uh, commending him for acting the way he ought to be acting. From then on, the Lord could gently chide or commend him just by using one name or the other. So from the outset of the relationship, Jesus was setting the conditions for Peter's growth, knowing that there would be ups and downs. Regardless, though, the relationship would not be broken. It's the same with us. He who has begun a good work in you will see it through to the end, and you can be assured of that. The authenticity of this relationship was further established in uh, chapter number 6. Following the bread of life discourse, many disciples began to depart Jesus. They began to go their way. Verse number 64 of chapter number 6 uh, says, But there are some of you, this is Jesus is speaking, some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered him, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas. Jesus makes it clear to the twelve that all but Judas he has chosen, and they are his. Jesus speaks the same words of assurance to us. We read throughout the scriptures that God has chosen us. He has called us. He has selected us. He has adopted us into his family. We are his children. And when we come in communication with one another uh, and we sit underneath the preaching of the word, we are reminded over and over again of just who we are, who it is that God says we are. Finally, the relationship is confirmed in the upper room. In John chapter number 13, when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, in verse number 9, he says, 
Simon Peter says to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. So as we think about Peter and this denial that he's in, be assured that Peter is one of Christ's. So how is it that one who is Christ's follower can find himself in the circumstances he finds himself in now? I'd like to take just a few minutes to highlight a couple of the events and the circumstances surrounding Peter's denial that we might need to be cautious of as we follow the Lord as well. Verse number 17, if you'll, if you'll look there, and back to the passage that, uh, that we're working through, um, John 18, reading from verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. And since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But St Peter stood outside. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? I, he said, I am not. How is it that the confident Peter now finds himself denying Jesus just from a servant girl's question to him? What is it that has changed? And what has changed in Peter's life is Peter has, well, what, the events that lead up to this is Peter's confidence was misplaced. Peter's confidence was in himself and in following the plan that he had set up for the future. As Peter looked at the events that were to take place the night ahead, Peter said to Jesus, hey, I will die for you. I will lay down my life for you. I will never deny you. And then it's Jesus reminds him, says, hey, before the evening is up, you will actually deny me three times. How can Peter be saying, I will never deny you. I will lay down my life for you. Well, he's saying this because he has in his mind a, an idea of what the night's going to look like ahead. He sees himself being martyred this evening for Jesus. He's saying, hey, if I'm writing the plan right now for the way this is going to go down, I'm ready to, I'm ready to follow you, Lord, in, in this way, in this method, in this pathway. But when that pathway was upended, when Jesus' plan did not align with Peter's plan, Peter's confidence was shot. And many times we're the same way, right? Like we have all this confidence and boldness when we talk about following Christ up until the point that Christ's plan for our life um, diverges from ours. And suddenly we find ourselves in a situation that we were not prepared for, that we were not mentally um, up for at this point. And then we are shaken. It's like the Lord wants to lead us in a different path than what we have and our confidence is no longer there. We see this when Peter pulled his sword, right? Peter was right when he said, hey, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. The bands of soldiers come. The officers show up. Peter, we got to give him credit. He pulls his sword, and he's ready to fight. He is ready to be martyred that night. He's ready to follow the Lord the way he thinks this is supposed to look. Jesus says, put your sword up, Peter. That's not the pathway we're going to be taking. 
And then suddenly Peter is confused. The Lord says, hey, leave these ones alone. You can take me. And as Peter sees his Savior bound and taken away, um, his confidence is shaken. Peter follows because he is a follower, because he is a believer. He follows all the way up to the door when Jesus goes inside the, the courtyard to be interrogated. Uh, but, Jesus, but as Jesus is inside, Peter is outside, and as he gets called in, an unexpected question comes to him. Hey, you're not one of his followers as well, are you? And in the cold and the loneliness and the discomfort of the evening and the confusion of all the circumstances around him, this one question comes up and Peter denies. And now the door is open for even more. Right, That first step towards sin, that first denial, sets us in a position where we're vulnerable to others. Have you ever found that to be the case? Like once, that first, once you commit that first sin, once you stumble that first time, it's harder and harder to stop. Something has to come in to kind of break that cycle. Well, that hasn't happened yet for Peter. His confidence shaken. His, his understanding of what it looked like to follow Christ upended. Now he finds himself denying uh, his very Savior and um, invited at this point in time into the courtyard. The next event that we need to be cautious of as we look to uh, explanations as to how somebody could, how Peter could find himself denying his Savior um, is the events that take place in the company that Peter keeps. It's, uh, it, it would have been appropriate as Jesus, as Peter came into the courtyard to have gone and stood next to Jesus at that point in time. He's now inside. He has a choice again to make. Unfortunately, though, he's just denied and he's put himself on a pathway that leads him towards a group of company that he should not be with. Had he walked in and felt the coldness of the air and said, hey, I need to be warmed, one of the commentators said he would have been much warmer standing next to his Savior than he would standing next to the fire at that point in time. But Peter makes a conscious decision to turn towards the group that's actually, um, that was actually his enemy just a few moments before in the garden. Matthew Henry says, as we choose our people, college students and young people and those of us actually that are, that are a little older as well, this is, good, this is good words to hear. The commentator says, as we choose our people, we choose our praise and we govern ourselves accordingly. We are therefore concerned to make the first choice well and not to mingle with those whom we cannot please without displeasing God. And here, as Peter chose his people, he set himself up for even more failure, did he not? Verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they, those that he's standing with, said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. We need wisdom to choose the company of the correct people at the correct time in order to avoid displeasing our Savior. 
It's true that as believers, we are called to be in the world and should not be afraid to eat and drink with sinners like our Savior. But these activities should be avoided when we are weak and when we're sliding away from God. Had Peter been a witness for Christ from the time that he arrived at the door, his positioning in the courtyard would have been appropriate as he would have continued then to voice his support for his Savior. However, since he had already denied and was on the, on, on the, the defensive, it was unwise and actually sinful for him to be surrounding himself with the world. He was not only in the world at this point in time, he was being overly influenced by the world. I need to make an honest assessment of my spiritual condition before joining with certain people. When I'm spiritually weak, I should seek out brothers and sisters in Christ as my company. And when I'm spiritually strong, then I can venture in to the territory of the enemy. The last thing that leads Peter to his denials is the shame and the guilt associated with previous failures. Verse number 26, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it, and once the rooster crowed. In the garden, you will remember that Peter um, was quick to pull out his sword and try to follow his own ways. It was here that Jesus rebuked him, said, put your sword back in its sheath. You're gonna, uh, it's, it's right that I drink the cup that God has given me. There was not only the failure in defeating the enemy there, but there was also the rebuke from his Savior. There was shame and guilt associated with that. There's shame and guilt now associated with two times that he has uh, denied his Savior. And now the, the last interrogation saying, hey, didn't I see you doing that very thing, Mr. Tough Guy? Uh, weren't you the one that was pulling your sword? And now he's saying, ah, no, that wasn't me. You see, the shame, the guilt, the, 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 the cycle of denials and sin is just continuing more and more. And something has to break it. Is Jesus capable of doing that? And the answer is yes. Although we don't see Jesus speaking now, he had spoken in love before. Jesus um, had been working in Peter's life from the get-go. He had been explaining to him, hey, there's going to be times when Satan desires to sift you. Now, Jesus is working to preserve him. While Peter is denying, Jesus is protecting. While Peter is acting the coward, Jesus is being the Savior. While Peter is ashamed of Jesus, Jesus is loving Peter. Before, during, and after Peter's denial, Jesus' preserving love was in action. Christ's love went into action when he informed Peter that he would not be called to lay down his life that night. When in the garden, he directed the enemy crowds to set the disciples free. When, as he's being interrogated, he did not ask the questioners to call Peter as a witness. Jesus' actions were preserving and protecting his disciples even as he was being slapped and uh, accosted. Christ's love went into action when he spoke the words that would serve to convict Peter of his sin and lead him to brokenness and repentance. 
it was a gracious and kind act to pre-inform Peter that he would deny him three times in advance of the rooster's call. In sharing these words, Christ set the conditions that would break the cycle of guilt and shame. Had Jesus not mentioned the rooster, the sound would have held no significance. And who knows where Peter would have ended up. Instead, the circumstances of that early morning reminded Peter of Jesus' words and his own identity. And this led to confession, repentance, and ultimately reconciliation. You see, Christ's actions towards Peter spoke more about the authenticity of their relationship than Peter's actions towards Jesus. And this is the way it is with all of us. Our assurance comes not in our actions towards Jesus. Our assurance comes not in our conduct um, in relationship to him, but in Jesus' conduct in his relationship to us. Jesus brings into our life convicting words in order that we might turn. And this is exactly what happened here once again. As the rooster crows, Peter's reminded of Jesus is saying, hey, you will deny me three times. Suddenly, Peter's eyes are open. The conviction hits him, and he is troubled. It leads ultimately to confession, repentance, and restoration. The story of of Peter's denial is included here for us to highlight not our own weaknesses and failures, but to highlight for us God's great mercy and the fact that God is the one who holds us and preserves us. Our preservation is not ultimately dependent on ourselves. thank the Lord. It's ultimately dependent on what God is doing on our behalf. Paul summarizes it this way in conclusion. Let me draw your attention to Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6 says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows, and in this situation showed his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have been justified by his blood, look at this, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. If Christ loved us enough to die for us when we were not in a relationship with him, how much more does he display that love, grace, and mercy now that we are in a relationship with him? That's what Paul is saying here. If we have assurance that he would die for us when we were sinners, when there was no reason for that to be the case, how much more confidence should we have now knowing that we are his own? If, not, if you hear nothing else from this message this morning, know this, that if you are a follower of Christ, your security rests not in your own conduct, in your own actions, but thankfully they rest in the power of Jesus Christ himself, who not only gave himself for you, but has set in place everything that's needed 
to ensure that you will one day reach the end safe and secure the same way Peter did, despite the fact that on the night before the crucifixion was denying Jesus over and over and over again. The question then would be, could he really be a follower of Christ? Is that person really a believer? They claim to be a believer. The answer is, what does God say about him? What does Jesus say? And the Lord would say, yes, he's one of mine. We should give one another the same level of mercy and compassion when we see that conduct, uh, when we see uh, others falling around us. Most of us would have written Peter off, wouldn't we? As we if we were in Jesus' situation, hearing the denials, we would have said, ah, forget him. It's not what Jesus did. It's not the example we should be following either as we, as we work with one another. We're reminded in this story of the sacrifice that Jesus was walking towards. Um, it's good for us to be reminded that it's through that sacrifice that we're invited into this relationship with Jesus. And through that sacrifice, we find a cleansing with him as well. And it draws our attention then to this other reminder, which is the Lord's Supper. Jesus continued here this day towards the cross. He's been slapped already. He's been um, unjustly accused, mocked, and ridiculed. He's been, he's been betrayed. He's been denied by his own followers. Um, and soon his body will actually begin to be broken and torn apart as they place crowns of thorns on his head as they whip him and beat him. Why? For the very individuals that are denying him that day, right? And not only for them, but for you and for me. And the Lord has given us this ordinance to remind us of that sacrifice. His body, they said, was, he said, was broken for you, right? Broken for you. As we take part in the Lord's Supper, it is appropriate for us to be reminded of God's body being broken, Jesus' body being broken. It's appropriate for us to be reminded of his blood being shed for us. It's also appropriate for us to look inward in our own lives and say, am I following Christ the way he has called me to? And if not, this very ceremony is one more opportunity for us to break that chain of sin, that cycle of sin, uh, because it gives us an opportunity to confess, to repent, and to follow him once again. My prayer for you over the next few minutes is that you might take this time to allow even this ordinance to serve much the same way that the rooster crowing served to break Peter, right? Um, to remind you that, hey, even if I did live the life of an unbeliever this past week on my spring break, or even if I did speak with my colleagues at work in ways that were um, ungodly and, and um, uncharacteristic of a believer, even if I did stumble and 
and deny my Savior because the path that he was taking me on was different than the one I was on, I have an opportunity today to confess that, to repent of it, and to be reminded that Jesus has forgiven us for that. I'd ask you if you would go ahead and take the next several minutes as the band makes their way to the platform. And um, we have the elements here at the front, one table at the back. We have the, um, the gluten-free options as well. So as the time approaches, you can come up and receive the elements. Thank you.